This is Design Safe Radio, where natural hazards researchers strive to make our society more resilient to everything nature throws at us. And so, and and your part in this to transition to where where you fit in is is the non-structural component. So we've talked a bit about the the structure, Correct. the how this whole how the floors and the walls and the diaphragms and and the energy dissipation elements, but then you get to things like stairs <laughs> and, you know, the things that make a, a building livable in that are not part of the structure, but still extremely important. So what are some of those components of the building and, and the questions that you're hoping to answer about those? Non-structural components is a blanket term, basically represents all parts of the building that are important for its function, but not part of the load resisting systems, not part of carrying the gravity loads or the earthquake loads. Um, so examples of non-structural components include non-structural walls, stairs, elevators, ceiling system, piping, equipment, any mounted equipment, etc. cetera. There, there's, there's quite um, a number of different types of non-structural components. Uh, the, the, Earthquake engineering community historically has focused mainly on structural design, and we have a pretty good handle on that and what we can do to minimize damage in the structure and prevent collapse or even get better performance. But in past earthquakes, a lot of the damage is focused on non-structural systems. And I think the last major earthquake we had in the U.S., they... Um, Northridge earthquake in 1994, majority of the damage was non-structural. And that really got everyone's attention. And so we have started to focus a little bit more on non-structural mm. components. So um, for this project, the, the team knew they wanted to have an emphasis on non-structural components as well. And it's a great opportunity. Uh, so I was recruited for that role and I kind of had an open an open book. What do you want to do here? And we decided since it's a flexible building, tall wood, we wanted to focus on drift sensitive components, those that are basically connected floor to floor and therefore get subjected to mm. the, the lateral movement of the yeah. building. So we focused on non-structural walls and stairs. I do want to acknowledge my students from uh, UNR, my three PhD students. They're all on site here today as well. William Roser, um, ENG, and Sir Lathan Wynn. They're they're wonderful. We couldn't do this work without them. Glad you mentioned that because a lot of a lot of the um, kind of grunt, tedious work of these big projects is done by the graduate students. Absolutely, and, uh, we could couldn't do any of this without them. <laughs> so you've got stairs, you've got cold form steel, non structural walls. Do, do you have elevators in this building as well, or just, just the not. stairs? Okay. Just the stairs. I mean, yeah. just the stairs. But <laughs> just the stairs. The stairs are essential, of course. So why not make them part of the research? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, what what are some of those big questions you're hoping to learn about those um, uh, th those pieces in this shake? Right. Uh, um, you mind? I'd like to. I'd like to describe our please our exterior wall subassemblies. So. I'll go ahead and share again. This is a Revit model of the bottom uh, stories of the building. The Revit mm. model was done by another student from Colorado School of Mines, Alicia Bush, who works for Xiling Pei, who's the PI of the project. So we decided to do um, 
I mean, we didn't have the resources to cloud the whole building. We decided to focus on four like sub sub assemblies, what we call sub assemblies, mm -hmm. each one detailed a little bit differently so that we can compare mm. how they perform. And each one of them is designed with some thought to how, how we can accommodate the movement in the building. One on each corner, basically. Um, in the next vision, in the next uh, visual, it, you see kind of a snapshot of a single, single story. So mm. three of the sub-assemblies are cold form steel framed. They could also be wood framed, but the cold form seal industry was interested in participating in this test. So that was yeah, go, that go, was go with where the resources are sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we, we labeled those cold form steel sub assemblies. We labeled them CFS one, CFS two, CFS three. Uh, the first one is platform framed. The second one is bypass framed. The third one is spandrel framed. I'll explain a little bit more about each of those. Mm -hmm. And lastly, we have a stick built glass curtain wall. So this is how the, these work. Um, CFS one, the first one is an L-shaped sub-assembly on one corner of the building. It was it is platform framed, which means that it it bears down on on the floor below. So it's connected, mm -hmm. singly connected, um, separate units, floor to floor. And the way we allow it to move is by having a slip joint at the top of the wall. Oh. And there's two different, yeah, basic CFS framing. You got a track on the bottom, a track on the top, and then studs connected in between. You can kind of see the outline. Kind of like there. a big French door. Yeah. So um, if you connect everything rigidly, it's not going to move. It's it's or it's going to get damaged in the movement. Right. So uh, a slip track, we call it a slip track connection at the top allows the relative movement. Um, basically, it's a form of seismic isolation back to my roots. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, we're isolating the wall, the non-structural wall from the movement of the building. Okay, so the one way that we're exploring is we call it a, a double track. So you have two tracks at the top, they're nested, and the slip occurs between the two tracks. They're not connected together. So just like that's, a sliding door. Yeah, that's one detail. And then the other detail, um, this is a product of Semco's. It, it's a slotted slip track. So there's slots in the track in the top. So, and, and it's gonna be connected um through screws into the slab but not you know tightly connected and oh, okay. um, so those so screws will ride in those slots exactly the slip is designed to occur between the floor slab itself and the slots now what happens at the corner because yeah. this, this visual down here gets a nice a nice visual of the problem <laughs> when you accommodate the slip in plane there is an incompatibility with what happens out of plane. Right, you got a big the, space in the corner there. The corner wants to open or close. So that's where CS Groups comes in. They make a, yeah. a, a series of, they have a wide variety of different expansion joints. And we are using one of their uh, expansion joints at the corner to accommodate that movement. Okay, the second one is a bypass frame system with drift clips. Bypass frames means that um, instead of being bearing on the floor below, 
the the whole system is like hung on the outside of the building. So oh wow yeah, it's hung from those floor panels. And whoa, if it's again, if it's rigidly connected, it's not going to move in an earthquake. And here is an image. Um, we're going to use Simpson Strong Ties, one of Simpson Strong Ties products here. This DSS CB clip. It um, fits into. Apologize, this is not a wood slab. <laughs> it's visual, <laughs> but it's, we it's utilized in wood. And they did a test for us to kind of um, understand the capacity. It's a unistrut um, attached to the floor slab, and then the clip sits in the unistrut and is attached to the sed, and the clip can slide in that unistrut. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, yeah. so that whole big panel can move and slide around in that, in that strut system. Correct. So um, on this one, we designed three stories bypass framed, um, which is, which is a lot because the expected movement over three stories is about 10 inches. Wow. And <laughs> We we went for the gold here. Like how how large of a how tall of a bypass unit could you uh, could, yeah. could you get to be successful here? Um, this sketch by my my student William Roser illustrates what happens when Whoa. at the corner over this three story unit. Right, the drift gets or the the displacement incompatibility gets larger on each mm -hmm. story. So for this one, we're using another um, expansion joint from CS Group, um, XLP2G1400. And it, it accommodates, it's like a door system almost. They, yeah. have, um, they have some illustrations on their website of how, how this one works. Um, it's, it's like the, it can pull apart um, or if it push if the joint pushes together like the door flaps out like shown in this oh yeah image that's on the really left. cool thanks for listening to today's episode of design safe radio this show is sponsored by the national science foundation grant number 2129782 you can subscribe to design safe radio on itunes stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts please leave us a review so that we can improve the show and also help others find our episodes in itunes Thanks for your feedback and support. We really appreciate it. You can find out more about NARI at designsafe-ci.org, on Facebook at DesignSafe Radio, or on Twitter at NARI DesignSafe.